mercifully and sadly for Jeff, the Hunter Strickland era has come to an end in Cincinnati as the Reds relief pitcher, as well as four others, have officially become free agents. Speaking of relief pitchers, Diaz signed a five-year, $102 million contract extension. Relax, I'm not talking about Alexis. And last night was the Fall Star game in the Arizona Fall League. We will check in on how the Reds hitters are doing out in the desert. We've got all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into the Reds f- to information for you. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen We are free and available on all platforms. On today's Lockdown Reds podcast, we are going to be looking at some impending free agents that the Reds have and whether or not we think that they will, should, could, would return next year. Hunter Strickland, hopefully not. But there's some others that we want to take a look at as well. And then we've also got a contract extension for the brother of Alexis Diaz, better known as Alexis Diaz's brother, um, Edwin Diaz, out in New York. The Mets just made him the richest relief pitcher ever and want to take a look at the Arizona Fall League and how some Reds are doing out there. But Steve, before we get into all of that, we've got to start today with the impending free agents that the Reds have. They are now on the market, as it were, with the uh, World Series over. And I'm going to start off first and say, uh, well, even though the Reds have an exclusive window from now until Thursday at 5 p.m. to negotiate with their pending free agents, and they don't have to worry about any other teams making any other offers, I don't think we were worried about that at all because I don't think the Reds are going to be talking to any of these guys. Well, I'd, I, well, not so fast. There's one of these guys I would like for the Reds to talk to, and I think okay. could be maybe a possibility. But let's start with your favorite relief pitcher, Hunter Strickland. <laughs> I know that you followed him closely throughout the season. You, I know I heard you on the broadcast. I could hear you yelling from the stands for David Bell to put him in to finish games to get that man paid. I could hear you, and I think that he wasn't... appreciated you lobbying for him. Uh, you're listen, mis- on you're the- mishearing me again. Uh, It's hard to understand you with all the fry box in your mouth. But listen, (laughs) his numbers on the surface aren't that bad, especially on a team that was as bad as the Reds were in a bullpen that was as bad as the Reds bullpen was. But you got to look a little bit deeper. His numbers, 66 games. He had a 4.91 ERA and 62 and a third innings pitch, Jeff. Now his FIP, 4.78. So his ERA says he was just slightly unlucky. But here's the thing. There's a whole lot of inherited runners that scored that aren't (laughs) factored in to this ERA calculation. So uh, I think it'd be very easy if you weren't paying a whole lot of attention. And I can't blame a lot of people for not paying a whole lot of attention in the second half there. It'd be very easy to be like, oh, maybe that guy's worth keeping around. Maybe he's useful. No. No, I hope someone packed up his stuff already, revoked his parking pass, took away his keys, changed his (laughs) gate code, whatever had to be done. He needs to go. 
Yeah, um, we don't usually give nicknames to pitchers for being really terrible, but we should have called him the fairy because he just kept bringing inherited runners across home plate. That's exactly what he did every time he came into the ball game. And I know you look at the numbers and with an ERA that begins with the number four, you're like, well, okay, he wasn't that bad, right? Honestly, those numbers are for a guy that should be a fireman, a guy who sh- should come in whenever the game is over and they just need somebody to finish the rest of the game. Instead, we're talking about the guy that had probably like the most high leverage situations. I have not looked down that list, but he was probably right up there with Alexis Diaz because for the first half of the year, he was the guy that David Bell called on to get a save. And how many did he get? <clears throat> Not as many as Alexis Diaz did. So that's all you need to know right there. I don't want to see him anywhere near Cincinnati. I hope he goes somewhere else and gets right. I hear he's a very nice guy, uh, but uh, he pitches terribly, and I don't want to see him in a Reds uniform any again. Exactly. Now, there's another pitcher on this list we should talk about just very quickly, and that's Chase Anderson. Uh, As a refresher, uh, Chase Anderson came towards the end of the season. Uh, he made seven starts, pitching nine games for the Reds. Listen, this guy was added to a roster at a time when it basically had boiled down to either Chase Anderson starting that day or Jeff Carr starting that day. <laughs> yeah. That's where we were at. They signed this guy said no. and told him, you got to pitch. And, <laughs> you know, he was bad as expected. He was bad. Uh, he was roster filler. He's not worth keeping around. You know, where's best case if they're looking for some arms for good year and he wants to sign a minor league deal okay but other than that that relationship needs to end uh chase anderson no just there was a moment and even my optimism was tested with this but there was like two or three starts where he was okay but i had to remind myself there's a reason he's a professional pitcher and he got to this level because at some point he was good at pitching but for the most part the overall picture that he provided for the reds was not good and he was just i mean he was literally as needed like if the reds sign him to be on the opening day starting rotation then they've done something horribly wrong absolutely so there's another picture jeff and i think we should spend just a minute and explain why uh we don't have this guy on the should be re-signed list that's justin wilson now if he was healthy i would say the reds need to keep him around in fact i think he had an option that the reds declined because of the injuries and he had tommy john back in june uh he's not going to be ready to start the season in 2023 makes absolutely no sense to pick up his option. You know, I know I had him on a list earlier this year uh, to pick up his option, but I mixed him up with another pitcher. I, I didn't realize it was Tommy John. That was My his mind. injury. I thought he had a back injury uh, <laughs> when I said that. So I'm amending that. Uh, no, you don't, you don't pick up Justin Wilson's option, but you know, maybe uh, he gets better. And towards the end of the season, you bring him back in on a prove it second half deal, something like that. But, uh, you know, that's why he's a free agent. That's why I'm saying they don't sign him. Uh, I think he would have been useful if he was healthy, but that's not the case. Yeah, that's just a bummer, too, because he started the season off super hot in those first handful of appearances. But, yeah, you're talking about Tommy John, and he got it at the beginning of June because they, they, you know, he had an elbow injury in April, but they weren't sure to the extent and they kept trying, kept trying. And then they realized he just needed surgery and getting it in June essentially means like he would have to really hustle to come back and have a meaningful impact for a team this upcoming season. 
I almost believe that he just shuts it down and just gets ready for 2024. I mean, not shut it down, but you know, he, he plans his rehab around coming back 2024. He's not going to pitch this year. Well, listen, Jeff, between the free agents and what we'll talk about coming up in a future episode with the non-tender possibilities, a lot of your favorite pitchers are in jeopardy of not being back on this team. They could non-tender Jeff Hoffman. uh, You know, (sighs) Justin Wilson's going. Hunter Strickland is gone. (sighs) uh, Chase Anderson's out of here. But surely they're going to pick up your boy Mike Miner's option, right? <laughs> See, now, um, if money was no object, um, maybe. But even then, I don't think so. We're talking about a $13 million option for a dude that if he was healthy all year, probably would have set the record for the most home runs allowed in a season by a red starting pitcher. So, no. No. He ain't coming back. <laughs> All right, I let's, think that's as far as we need to go with that is no correct. <laughs> let's talk about a couple uh, other guys that are free agents on the, uh, the position player side. We'll start yes. with uh, Austin Romine. Listen, in one of the most abysmal catching seasons in the history of this franchise, I think Austin Romine was brought in. Uh, he played in 37 games. Jeff, listen to this slash line, 147, 173, 263. For an OPS plus of 17. Ow. Ow. I think that physically hurt me to hear those numbers. For comparison's sake, Chucky Robinson, our emergency minor league catcher, and the only catcher from this season besides Tyler Stevenson still on the roster. Chucky Robinson, 25 games, 136, 136, 271 for an OPS plus of seven. So uh, that's the catching situation. Listen, there is 0% chance Austin Romine comes back to this team. Zero percent. And and the reason he came is the reason that Chase Anderson came. They just needed somebody who could block a slider because that wasn't Michael Papirski. And and Mark Colesvari just did not show that he was a major league caliber catcher for the Reds either. So, yeah. No, I, I, you know what? Thank you for a couple of good memories there. I think it was literally a couple. And as uh, most people would say, <laughs> that about, one day, that one day that you were one, good. Thank that you. That one for day being there. in Philadelphia, he hit a home run. <laughs> Outside of that, I can't really remember what else he did. But there was, yeah, that, that that's the kind of guy. Like, look, if, if they're bringing back Austin Romine, I, th- there's there's everyone else out there. Everyone else out there. He was he was eighty three percent below replacement level. On OPS. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah, you no. got to go get somebody. He's not coming yeah. back. But that brings us to the final guy on the list. And, Jeff, this is the one that's intriguing to me that I would not be opposed to if the money is right bringing back. And that is Donovan Solano. In 80 games for the Reds this year, slash line of 284, 339, 385, OPS plus of 97. Also mm-hmm. bear in mind that he was coming off of injury. He was out at the beginning of the year with an injury. So it took him just a bit to build into that. But he played very, very well at times. And I think that he could be a useful guy to keep around to mentor some of the young prospects that are going to start moving their way in to the Reds major league roster throughout the 2023 baseball season. I would tend to agree. There's going to be some caveats there though. Like I think there's going to be some contending teams come calling for him to be a platoon option. And that is something where I think the Reds cannot beat that offer because there's no way I'm bringing him back to say, you are our everyday starter at X position. 
if anything, he's going to be a platoon guy, maybe a third base, but defensively he was a liability at third base. So I, I don't like that. And when I, when I think about the rest of this roster, there's plenty of guys that I want to see play now. Granted, we're also talking about Mike Moustakis at third base. So, yes, I'd rather see Donovan Solano at third base than Mike Moustakis. But at the end of the day, I think that the contention is really where the Reds are going to miss out on bringing him back. Now, could they in this window between now and Thursday at 5 p.m.? There's a small possibility, but if any of these guys, he's going to be the hardest to maintain because he's probably actually going to have other suitors after Thursday at 5 p.m., and I think that he's probably going to wait until he gets those offers. That's the, that's the darndest thing, and and it's uh, something we'll be talking about probably at different points this offseason, but that's the, that's the thing about MLB free agency is it feels like everybody waits until, like, the end of January to do their shopping. Like, everybody's doing all the window shopping from now until then. So uh, Donovan Solano is probably going to be one of those guys that hangs around till then and signs with, like, the Dodgers or something. You know, I, I I can't say that you're wrong. In fact, you're probably right. That's probably exactly how it would play out. But with the right deal, with the numbers are right, wouldn't hurt my feelings to at least keep him around, uh, let him play in the first half, and maybe you flip him at the all-star break and get a prospect in return, something like that. But yeah. it's probably safer to just not expect any moves to be made between now and Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern time to retain any of these pending free agents by the Reds. Jeff, the New York Mets signed Edwin Diaz to the richest contract for a relief pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball. And I have some questions about it that I want to ask you coming up in just a minute. But before we get to that, I want to talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is sponsoring today's podcast. We thank them very much. They've got some odds up for next year. Jeff, pop back in. There you are. What do you think the odds are of the Reds winning the World Series for 2023? Going to say two to one. Oh, boy. You're just a little off. The Reds' odds of winning the World Series next year are 10,000 to one. Maybe Man. just put a dollar on it, folks, because <laughs> you might get lucky. Hey. I'm just saying there's as a, a wise as a wise man once said if anybody gives you 10,000 to 1 odds on anything you take it if take john it. mellencamp ever wins an oscar i'm going to be a very rich dude name that wait <laughs> you don't like the office never mind kevin malone from the office i'm telling you 10,000 to 1 put a dollar on the reds next year it's <laughs> Give up a coffee as well for one day. And do it, do it. But do it. But listen, if you want to find all of the latest on player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find, head to betonline.net. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information. They've got live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport around it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events including mlb mma nfl boxing and golf head to betonline.net right now on your computer or your mobile device to learn more because bet online is where the game starts 
All right, coming up tomorrow, we'll begin to take a look at a few of the players that the Reds have to make a decision about as far as whether or not to pay their arbitration money or non-tender them. We'll also begin to move towards a conversation about the upcoming Rule 5 draft and players we think the Reds might put on the 40-man roster to protect from being stolen away by another franchise. All right, Jeff, Edwin Diaz extension. Five years, $102 million with a $12 million signing bonus. Massive amounts wow. of money. You and I have both talked about how we wish, oh, wish, how we wish that a Steve Cohen type would swoop into Cincinnati <laughs> yeah. and buy the Cincinnati Reds. Because I'm telling you, uh, Bobby is not writing a check this big. And <laughs> SOB, that's son of Bob, Phil Castellini is not writing a check this big either so let me ask you this jeffrey what is the biggest contract that you think the reds would give to a relief pitcher see that's a tough one it's definitely not gonna be 20 million a year for sure i don't know that you given they gave coco cordero once upon a time over what was it 10 million 12 million something like that I don't think they even do yeah, that. Like four I mean, years, four years, forty-six million. Coco Cordero. Yeah, I, I think that might be the uh, maybe twelve. Maybe twelve is the height because I, I think we've seen that the Reds just will not do this for top-flight relievers. Otherwise, they'd have some or, or one or two or something of that. Now, I think that Alexis Diaz is going to be the guy they have to make a huge decision about coming up here in a few years. But yeah, man, I, I, a hundred million. And if we're being objective about it, a hundred million for a guy who pitches four, maybe five innings a week—that's a lot of money. Yeah, I'm thinking about it a little bit too. And here's where I land on it. And and this is, you know, I'm trying to be realistic, Jeff. Yes. The Cincinnati Reds are not paying big money for a relief pitcher. As a matter of fact, the Cincinnati Reds are going to struggle to pay big money for any position on the field. We yep. hope that they'll lock up one of the young starting pitchers. We hope that they'll lock up one of the position players to have some continuity two faces of the franchise, if you will. And the rest of these guys are going to get flipped and the roster is going to get churned. I, I believe they are committed to following the Tampa model. And that means you're going to continue to churn, continue to flip relief pitchers. I'm not giving any money to no. when they come up with two years of availability left on team control, trade them. Every relief pitcher we have ever encountered has a screw loose. They yeah. are not reliable from year to year. You never know what's going to happen. I say, sell them high, bring in new guys, rent and repeat. That's what I would do with the bullpen. I wouldn't give big money to anybody down there. I just, like you said, they only pitch a few innings a week. I think for a team with limited resources and whether that's real or stated or perceived, but we know they're only going to spend X amount of dollars for a team. That's only going to spend X amount of dollars. You don't spend them there. Yeah. And, and I think that when you're ranking the most valuable players on a roster, even if you've got the, and I think that Edwin Diaz, especially with Josh Hader's struggles last year, is now the best closer in the game. Even if you've got the best closer in the game, I still don't know that you pay that much money for a guy on an annual basis. And look, I know that there's people currently saying, well, you pay what you pay to win the game. But also, I don't think that if you're playing smart like the Rays do, 
you don't pay for that. And, and even thinking about like the Guardians, the Guardians, whenever Emmanuel Class A comes up, Emmanuel Class A is going to be expensive. He's going to want some money. They're not going to pay it. They're going to trade him the year before they have to worry about that because that's what smart franchises do. And, and without looking it up, I'm going to guess that Tampa Bay has never paid $10 million in a year to one relief pitcher. Yeah, I, I would I would say that's probably correct. You know, they may go they may have gone out at some point in time and rented a guy for half a season that was right, a, and then a big like money, but there's there's they're million, not yeah. giving out these kind of contracts. And you know, I, I think when we see this, we see a part of baseball that's broken because there's only a few clubs in the majors that are gonna give out this kind of contract. That's New York's both. It's the Dodgers. It's the Padres trying to keep up with the Dodgers. And then you drop way down before you get to the next tier of guys that are willing to spend money. So, you know, it, it's just, it is what it is. So, you know, more and more teams are going to go to this churn and flip and maybe somewhere along the way, the market will right itself a little bit, but no, the Reds can't come anywhere close to spending this kind of money. No, it would and, just and be debilitating for the franchise. And I think maybe you can make the argument for the Cubs. I think the Cubs are going to be expensive this offseason. I think they're going to sign some big-name dudes. But still, like, that's not every offseason. Like, I feel like it's every four or five years John Ricketts gets a wild hair about him and he decides mm -hmm. to spend money. Like, year in and year out, those are the teams that are spending money in the New York's and the L.A.'s. So I, I think about this and I say, you know, good for Edwin Diaz, right? We're, we're not saying that sure. it's bad for him. Good for the player that he earned. I mean, he earned it. He's been the best closer in baseball. He's going to hire, like, 50 guys with trumpets for when he comes in from the bullpen now. <laughs> yeah. gonna be, he's going to run through two lines of trumpets all the way to the <laughs> pitching mound now. Exactly. Not really. But he could afford it. Exactly. Like that's, that's what we're talking about here. But, but from a reds perspective, if you're looking at this kind of a deal, they're never going to be in that sort of a situation. Like if Alexis Diaz comes to the point where he commands $20 million a year, it's time to trade him. And mm -hmm. they'll probably have traded him before that happens. Absolutely. I think that, uh, that's just the way you got to do it. Uh, if I had, you know, if I, if I thought Alexis Diaz was going to be Mariano Rivera, you know, I would consider like, I was going to say, is there anyone ever in the history of baseball you would 10, give this to? I see. I I would not, I wouldn't give that to Rivera. I wouldn't give that to, I wouldn't give so, that kind of money to anybody as a relief pitcher. It just, and it, this is the argument for Cy Young, like with, with relief pitchers and Cy Youngs is like, how can you give the best pitcher award to a guy who hasn't, who pitches five innings mm -hmm. a week at most? Yeah, I, I, I just, I can't see doing it. I, but you know, uh, we're again, we're talking about Steve Cohen, who $20 million to him is like you and I going to get some tacos across the street from the ballpark. It's no big deal. Right. So, I mean, I guess it's all comparative, but I know that nobody named Castellini can compete with that. And I think at the end of the day, you have to, you have to measure, God help me trying to, supporting it crawl here but you have to align your your resources to you know what you've got right and yeah. and, 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 and this and, is what they have to do and maybe here in the future may, and maybe they figure it out and they just let the front office run because that's really what i want like i'm not saying i want the reds to have an unlimited budget that would be nice that's never going to happen so just let the baseball people run like the Rays don't have an unlimited budget, but they run very smartly. Mm -hmm. I want to see the Reds run very smartly. And if the Reds 
in their current situation are going to run smart. They're not going to give $20 million a year to a closer. Absolutely. And like we said, relief pitching varies so much from year to year. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very interesting to watch over the next five seasons, just exactly how Diaz pans out on this contract. And right. if by year three, everybody's, you know, looking at it going, Oh my God, he's a guy's got a six ERA and they're paying him $20 million a year to, you know, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to watch exactly how the finances of the Mets shake out over the next four or five years. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like any blown save, there's going to be a Mets fan somewhere say, well, holy crap, we're overpaying that guy. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's baseball fans. That's, that's baseball fans as a whole. But you know what, Steve? Looking back at the Reds and looking at some future studs here, Noel V. Marte and Reese Hines both played in the Fall Star game. We're going to look at how their Fall League exploits are going out in Arizona. Coming up next. But first, I wanted to let you know that you can follow the podcast on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. If this is your first time, thank you for watching us. Make sure that you're subscribed and you click the bell to get notified whenever we have new content for you. We're going to try to make live Aloha Fridays a regular thing, semi-regular thing, as much as we possibly can. We had one this past Friday. If you missed it, have a lot of fun doing that. You get to take control with comments and questions and things like that. Uh, through the second half of the show, usually on an Aloha Friday. So make sure you're following us and you click that bell to get notified. Also follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's. And you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. All right, Steve, the Fall Stars game happened. I love that they call it the Fall Star game. Like, <laughs> it is just, pretty just clever. Roll with the puns. You know, I love Major it. League Baseball usually doesn't get things like that right, and yeah. and they got that one right. So that I means clearly that Manfred wasn't involved in it. I really kind of wanted the team in Florence to be the fall the Y'all Stars instead of just the Y'alls, but you know, whatever Y'all Stars, Y'alls. It's it's still cool. Just roll with the puns. I love puns and I love irony in life. But anyway, Fall Stars game. Noavi Marte and Resigns both played. Only one of them got a hit. Resigns went one for two, and Noavi Marte went zero oh for three. Good to see Resigns get a hit though, because he's actually been the dude that when we look at the three big prospects for the Reds out there and the position side of things. He's been the best of the three, at least so far as, you know, average and slugging percentage goes. Listen, I don't want everybody to panic about these numbers, but they're not great. There's some guys out in Arizona right now, tearing it up and none of them are in the Reds organization. All three guys have struggled a little bit. But Reese Hines, as you say, is the best of the three. Uh, slash line 234, 280, Here's the one that kills me, Jeff. This tells me all I really need to know about the season he's having in the Arizona Fall League. He has struck out 33 times and walked five. In 20 33, games. 33, five. That's a lot. And, that's a lot. And that's... And that's kind of something like when you're talking about this sort of a sample size, because it's too small, this is not telling me everything I need to know about these guys, but I will say the plate discipline numbers are something yeah, that's that a lot I of strikeouts. Do I? That's a lot of strikeouts in 20 yeah, games. Yeah, that's too many, too many. <laughs> that's a lot. And, and I hope he cuts back on that because that was something he was having a problem with throughout the season in the minor leagues. I think this is just who he is. If he can be the kind of guy that works around a lot of strikeouts and still has big power numbers like that 403 slugging percentage, that's good. But even that needs to come up a little bit if you're going to make up for that many strikeouts. 
It does. He's got two home runs, but uh, as you say, that's a lot. Uh, Noel V. Marte, now, uh, he's only been in 19 games, small sample size 203, 329, 313. Two home runs as well for him. Struck out 12 times, walked 12 times. But here's the thing here's what I'm excited about with Noel V. Marte in Arizona. And that's that he's playing third base. They have already made the decision to move him over to third base and get him some reps there. I love it because the writing is on the wall. Ellie De La Cruz is coming. He's going to be the shortstop and it is going to take a miracle for anybody to get in the way of that. So I like that they've already started the process of moving guys around and having them play in different spots for once in the reds developmental organizations lives keep him at third base next year i get it you got you can't play him at shortstop there's too many people at shortstop and there is a need a very very great need at third base really this year but definitely by the time that Marte is going to be ready i probably figure if he does come up this year it's going to be later on this season but it probably 2024 is when we'll see him and that is when the reds are really going to be happy to see him at third base so keep him there spring training he plays at third minor league season plays at third don't move him don't mess this up he's a third baseman now We're, we've forgotten about any other position for noel v Marte. Mm-hmm. and i mentioned it play discipline numbers same strikeouts as walks you keep that up i'm happy so we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Matt McClain for just a minute. He's also out there in Arizona. He didn't make the Fall Stars game, but he has been playing. He's been playing shortstop some as well, but mm-hmm. also playing a little bit of second base. No outfield, which I thought we might could see, but that's not happened. Uh, in his 20 games, again, another bad slash line, Jeff. 167, 345, 258, and again, strikeouts to walks ratio 24 strikeouts in 20 games 14 walks only one home run uh so you know maybe this is a case of the pitchers out there are a little bit ahead of the hitters that could be there are some guys putting up good numbers but you know you never know we're not watching these guys every day i know there's some some of our like our buddy doug is watching a lot of these games and and keeping tabs on these prospects. But, you know, I haven't watched a whole lot of their at-bats out there. So I'm not sure if that's the case or not. But clearly, plate discipline is going to have to be something they work on between now and the start of the 2023 baseball season if they want a shot at moving up through the system this coming year. And I, I find it interesting. He has double, right, if I put those. Yes, double the on-base percentage as his batting average so that's Mm kind of nice that's an interesting mark there and that's just a mark of a tiny sample size but I find that interesting and I find second base interesting as well because I wasn't sure if he had played a lot of second base in his minor league career but he has he's played Mm -hmm. a decent amount there so maybe that's what they're thinking for him in um his as he gets closer to being called up which would again reinforce the idea of maybe moving Jonathan India. Maybe they're already thinking about that. Who knows? Mm-hmm. That, that that could be very interesting. But you know what, Steve? It's good to see some promising players get more work out in Arizona. I just wish those numbers were a tad more like Ellie De La Cruz's numbers in the Ooh. Dominican Winter League because go look those up. They're phenomenal. He's a beast. He is an absolute beast. And you know what? That is where we're going to wrap up today's podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. 
If this is your first time, make sure you're subscribed on all of your favorite platforms and subscribe right here on YouTube as well. Click that bell to get notified. But that's going to do it for us here on this edition of Locked On Reds. Now go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big recaps, and the take of the day can all be found within 22 minutes on Locked On Sports Today. And Locked On Sports Today is just like Locked On Reds. It's free and available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Steve, it's over. The 2022 baseball season is officially in the rear view completely. The World Series, everything's done. And the offseason is officially here for everybody. So what's that mean for you and me? Well, quickly, shout out to the the Locked On Astros guys. They did a tremendous job covering that postseason run, and I I just can't imagine how much fun that was to cover a World Series winner. Hopefully, you and I are going to get a shot at that one day. But as far as the Reds goes, Jeff, you can expect that uh, we're going to be locked in on the transactions. We're going to be locked in on the non-tenders. We're going to be locked in on what's going on in the winter leagues and the minor leagues and all of the leagues scattered throughout baseball because you and I are going to help everybody be locked on Reds every single day.